Hello, friends. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to read you a post that one of the moms in my Self-Assured Motherhood, or SAM, online community wrote on our discussion board this week. If you don't know, SAM is my nine-month-long signature program that only opens once a year, and it's opening soon. And as part of that program, we have a community board where moms can share their wins, questions, struggles, and epiphanies. And this post I'm going to read to you now is from one of our alumni named Celeste. She has gone through the program twice and has seen incredible growth and change in her life as a result, and this is what she shared with us. She said, A couple of weeks ago, I realized that I wasn't hating summer break yet. It came as a surprise to me because usually I'm ready for school to be back in session by about three weeks into summer. Ha! I took a few minutes to contemplate why and realized that I had intentionally planned out my summer to include what I need, not just what my kids need. I had scheduled regular work hours. I run my own website from home so it can easily and unintentionally be put to the back burner. One of the older kids assigned chores was to watch the toddler for an hour every day, and I used this time to shower and get ready uninterrupted, run errands, take a nap, or read a book. It was magic. I made sure to have regular conversations with friends either through Marco Polo, text, or in person. This is maybe not always possible, but I had two girls' weekends with a group of friends, which was so good for me. I have a neurodivergent teen and multiple food allergies in my house, so it was so good for me to get away for a weekend to be myself and eat and do whatever I want. I came back ready to hit the ground running with my kids. I feel like this summer I've enjoyed motherhood so much more than I have in the past, and I recognize that it's because of the principles I've learned in Sam. Understanding what I value and making space for those in my everyday life, even surrounded by five kids, has been a total game changer for me and, in turn, my kids. End quote. Wow. I just love hearing about the ways women in this program are taking action to better know themselves, honor their needs, and love their people, which are the three main pillars of the SAM program. If you're interested in joining this amazing community of mothers, I wanted to let you know that enrollment will be open on Monday, September 11th for just 10 days. So if you want to be sure to get all of the information about that, just text the word SAM to 33777. I can't wait to welcome a new cohort of amazing women to spend the next nine months with me learning how to become more self-assured in their motherhood. So again, text SAM to 33777 for more information. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. Anxiety is something that has been with me since childhood. My mom used to say I was born a worrier. Sometimes when she would tuck me into bed at night, I would say things like, do you think the people who got in the car accident are okay? What car accident, she'd ask. The one that was on the news that you and dad were watching tonight. And that's when she realized that she probably shouldn't have the news turned on around me. <laughs> I was always taking in and taking on the difficult things that I heard about from the world around me. This isn't always a bad thing. I care deeply about other people and about the state of the world. And I think that's one of my best qualities 
But when it's taken to an extreme and turns from compassion and concern to anxiety and panic, it can become very debilitating very quickly. And I definitely noticed in my first few years of motherhood that all of my tendencies towards worry had amped up now that I had my own precious little humans to take care of. Whether or not you have a long history with worry like I do, I know you're going to love today's episode with licensed professional counselor Sissy Goff. Sissy has worked as the Director of Child and Adolescent Counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries since 1993. She is the author of 13 books, including her latest, The Worry-Free Parent, and she also co-hosts the chart-topping podcast Raising Boys and Girls with fellow Daystar counselor David Thomas. I loved having the chance to talk with her all about anxiety, in our kids and in ourselves. And with no further ado, here's my conversation with Sissy. Sissy, welcome to 3 and 30. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to get to have some time talking with you. Yeah, well, today we're going to dive into a topic that I think a lot of parents experience. I think a lot of parents have a lot of questions about, and that is anxiety. And I was actually reading your new book, and I was sitting at the pool reading it. It's called The Worry-Free Parent. And my little girl, who's nine, was walking by, and she peeked at what I was reading, and she said, well, that's not possible. And I laughed and I thought, well, is it? So I just want to start with that question to see, is that possible to be a worry-free parent? I love that you asked that question. I love that she said that. <laughs> and I would say it is something we are moving toward. Yeah. In our fallen world, I think it's something we're moving towards because I don't think any of us are fully going to get there. My mom used to say, it's a parent's job to worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think any good parent is going to worry. We're going to come back to that idea. But any good parent's going to worry some because you have to to get your kids up and dressed and on time and living life in a normal, safe manner. And at the same time, I think worry has run rampant in our culture among kids and among parents, which is why I wrote this book. Yes. And I love in your work you talk about, I think you call it like a worry continuum or an anxiety continuum about how. We go from fear to worry to anxiety to anxiety disorder. And I really related to that because maybe we will never be totally free of worries. But when it moves into anxiety or anxiety disorder, that's when it really can become maladaptive. It can really negatively impact your life, your functioning and your relationship with your kids. And so I love that you said we're trying to move away from worry and fear towards more peace and connection and balance and security in all of our relationships. But it's okay if there's always a little worry there. We just want to try to move away from anxiety as much as we can. And so that's where our takeaways are going to take us today. We're going to be talking specifically about what is anxiety and how is it impacting us as parents? How is it impacting our children? And then what can we do about it? I have been counseling kids for 30 years now, which means I've been working with parents for 30 years now. And statistically, we're at a point where one in four children are dealing with anxiety. So as you're saying those different words, not just worry that pops up every once in a while, but anxiety that's more pervasive, hard to get past. You know, we all have hundreds of what are considered intrusive thoughts every day. I would say anxiety is characterized by when those intrusive thoughts get stuck. So, Hmm. oh no, did I think to lock the door before I went to bed? Maybe I didn't lock the door. And we just go over and over until we get up and lock the door. Or I haven't had a text from my teenager in 20 minutes. They said they were going to be somewhere. I bet they've been in a car wreck and they've already died. You know, we just 
go to worst case scenario and spin off so quickly. And so when those intrusive thoughts get stuck, I think we're talking more anxiety. So one in four kids with girls twice as likely as boys to deal with it. One in three adolescents. Mm. Now, if we were going to talk about parents, one in three parents and women are twice as likely to. Oh, wow. And so I try to really kind of major in what I'm seeing go on with kids the most. And before the pandemic started, I became very concerned about the levels of anxiety among kids. And so I wrote a book called Raising Worry-Free Girls. And I wrote a book for girls called Braver, Stronger, Smarter for elementary age girls. And then the pandemic hit and obviously all of our anxiety went through the roof. And so I wrote a book for adolescent girls called Brave. And then post pandemic, kids are definitely struggling, but I've never seen parents struggle as much as I'm watching them struggle mm. post pandemic. The anxiety, the anger, which I think is anxiety is its root. Mm the feeling like a failure, all of those things are so pervasive in the lives of parents. And so I really felt like it was time to not go to the source of the problem necessarily, although that is part of it, but go to the source of where we can really make a difference. Because I just sit with so many parents, they brought their child in for counseling for the first time and And I will sit with those parents and I'll say, you know, tell me about your family history. And they'll say, well, maybe I have a little bit of anxiety. I'm not sure. And I'll say, have you ever considered talking to somebody yourself? And so many of them will say, we only have a limited amount of funds. I'd rather spend the money getting my kids help. Mm. Or I have a limited amount of time and I'd rather invest the time taking them to counseling. I would say 100% after counseling all these years, the very best thing you can do for your kids is get counseling yourself. Mm. Because if you're anxious, it is spilling over onto them, even when you don't intend for it to at all. It just can't help itself but spread. Mm. And that's your first takeaway, right? That's my first takeaway, yes. So your first takeaway is that anxiety has an amazing ability to spread. Yes, it does. And when I saw that in your outline, I laughed because... I think it's so true, but I I don't want any parents to hear that and think, well, then I'm the reason my kids are struggling. It's my fault. But to hear it and think, okay, if anxiety has an amazing ability to spread by taking care of my own mental health and my own anxiety, I am taking care of my children. And so kind of giving that permission to put yourself first. And when you say that it has an amazing ability to spread, what does the research say about that? Is that biological? Is that environmental? What is the research saying about why parents that are more anxious tend to have more anxious children? Yes, it's all of those things. (laughs) It's biological. If as a parent you have anxiety, your kids are seven times more likely to deal with it themselves. Hmm. And so it is definitely a family system issue, systemic issue. And also circumstantially, I mean, we are looking at things that our kids today are dealing with that we never had to experience when we were growing up. Even if we just isolated technology and social media, that is significantly contributing to not just anxiety among kids, but anxiety among us as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and was very involved in the school shooting at the Covenant School in the spring. And, you know, I mean, things like that that happen, we don't have any option but to be anxious. Of course, we're feeling that way. I mean, I think the things that are pressing in on the kids we love 
sometimes in our great awareness, we're more anxious than they are because Mm. we really do know the worst case scenario. And I think that's another piece of it that is really interesting to me is you're a lot younger than I am. But I'll take myself, for example, when I was growing up, there was one parenting book I think that was even out there and it was Dr. Spock's. Mm -hmm. But that's the parenting book my mom read. And the one takeaway she had from that book is smile at your child a lot. That's it. Mm. Just smile at your child. And ironically, my sister and I are both two of the smiliest people you could ever encounter, which is so (laughs) random and funny. But, you know, now we are inundated with parenting theories, parenting information, parenting experts, podcasts, books, social media. I mean, so many different people that have so many different opinions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of it is parents are more conscientious than they've ever been in my Mm -hmm. experience of working with parents, but it is almost too much information. And I would encourage parents to pick one or two sources and that's all you listen to. Mm. Pick Rachel, pick one or two other people, and then just tune the rest out because it's just too much sometimes in your own life. And we could go into a lot of different takeaways about the importance of trusting your gut as a parent. And you know your kids better than anyone else. Yeah. And so trust your gut that you've got this and pick an expert or two because the more we get entrenched in all of that, I think the more anxious we become. Yeah, I do too. A phrase that I borrowed from Emily Freeman. She said, stop collecting gurus. And I mention that all the time with women that I work with, that it's okay to have a couple, but you can't have a million gurus. And so literally unfollow, and not because you dislike people's work, but just because it's too much. So like choose a two that you really resonate with and unfollow or mute or stop in taking so much information because it's literally too much for like our nervous systems to be scrolling and seeing all of that all the time if it's on social media. And it's just a lot to take in. So I love that you as a professional are echoing that advice to limit the gurus and limit the gurus. I love that word. Yeah. Yeah. And to start just trusting your own gut more often and taking care of your own mental wellness and health, seeking counseling, seeking medication if you need it, whatever it is to help with your own anxiety so that it can help with your children's. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Today's takeaways are all about becoming worry-free parents. Doesn't that just sound wonderful? Although, as Sissy and I discussed, becoming completely worry-free might be unrealistic, it is absolutely possible to reduce the amount of heavy worry, anxiety, and stress we carry in our lives. I know that from personal experience. I have worked so hard with licensed professional counselors over the past decade, to learn how to process my emotions and manage my thoughts so I can be a more emotionally resilient mother. If being a worry-free parent seems out of reach for you or you're wondering how that might be possible, I highly recommend BetterHelp Online Therapy. It's convenient, flexible, and suited to your unique schedule, done all online. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 3 and 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 and 30. This episode is also sponsored by K-12, tuition-free online accredited public schools for kindergarten through 12th grade. My friends, how are you feeling about the upcoming school year? I want you to know about this resource for families. K-12 Powered Schools is designed to help your child learn at their own pace 
in their own place with an engaging curriculum that supports individual learning styles. It can be isolating for families who need alternative learning options for their children, and K-12 is a great option. This is different from homeschooling where you are the teacher. K-12-powered schools has state-certified teachers that are trained online educators. They utilize hands-on, innovative technology to make learning interactive. And in case you're wondering, K-12-powered schools even offers extracurricular activities and in-person events. They have more than 20 years' experience helping students gain the skills they need to thrive in the future. Join the more than 2 million families who have been served by K-12 and empower your student to reach their full potential now. Go to k12.com slash 3 in 30 today to learn more and find a tuition-free K-12-powered school near you. That's the letter K, the number 12, dot com slash 3IN30. K12.com slash 3IN30. And then why don't we jump right into our second takeaway? What do we know about anxiety? Well, at this point, after writing several books about anxiety, I've done a ton of research on it and obviously sit with kids and families every day. But it's interesting because anxiety tries to impact us in every place we live. And so it does its best to define our past, where we grew up, all of that, who we were growing up, to distract us in the present, Mm. which is exactly what it does. It takes us out of the moment of being with the kids that we love and to defeat us in the future. And we're not even there yet. We do a lot of forecasting when we're anxious of all the bad things that are going to happen, all the things that our kids have missed that mean they're going to miss everything and not grow into healthy adults at all because they forgot to throw the trash away once. You know, oh. I mean, we just go there so quickly. So it really resides in all time frames, mm. which is that much more impactful for us. Yeah, I love that. I'm a former high school English teacher, so I love alliteration. And I noticed right away in your book, I'm like, oh, she used three Ds. That anxiety tries to define our past, distract our present, and defeat us in our future. And I thought, isn't that so true that it bleeds into all timeframes of our lives? I often help women to understand that they're catastrophizing, I call it. Yes, great word. Like, my six-year-old hit another child, therefore, he's going to end up in prison someday. You know, how is he ever going to learn how to function well and have good relationships? I bet he's going to get divorced. And it's like, what? How did we go there so quickly? And I do it, too. I actually have diagnosed anxiety that I struggle with that I've spent the last decade working with. And I feel like I'm in a much better place because of all the counseling and all the work that I've done. So I get it. I do the catastrophizing. But we don't need to go there yet. When my husband and I were dating, he said to me once, why don't we find out before we freak out? And so that's... (laughs) that's, I love that. That's become a little mantra that we use often in our family where I'll start worrying or one of my sisters will call me and she'll be worrying and cycling and I'll say, all your feelings are valid. But like, let's find out before we freak out. And and then they laugh because they know that's a Ryan line. Um, that that came from him. <laughs> That's so good. I might borrow that sometime if you'll let me. Yeah, I love absolutely. It. Find out before we freak out. That's good to say to kids too. Yeah. So one question that I have referring back to both of these takeaways is, okay, so we know anxiety has an amazing ability to spread and we know that it's doing its best to define our past, distract us in the present and defeat us in the future. What do we do about it? Like, we can know that, but Mm -hmm. do you have some strategies for women to keep us in the present instead of going to the past or the future, but to stay grounded in the present? 
Yes, absolutely. Well, and before I say anything practical, I'm going to jump to the third takeaway because I think it has more to do with it than anything else. Because I think part of what happens is we're not even aware we're anxious first. We just explode. And Mm -hmm. I would say the third takeaway is the reason you worry about your kids is because you care and truly are a great parent. And, And I think, like I mentioned in the beginning, even that anger, I mean, think about getting out the door to get to swim lessons on time and you get really angry and explosive with your kids. Well, it's not because you're a mean mother. It's because you want your kids to be to swim lessons on time so they'll be ready and they won't feel anxious before they have to get in the pool. You know, it's this great reason about who you are. And literally every child I've ever sat with who deals with worry and anxiety is really bright. They're really conscientious. They care so much. They try Mm. so hard. And 100% of the time, the same is true for parents. Mm -hmm. And so if you're worrying and you're anxious, it's because you're a really good parent and you want to get it right. And I think the more we try to get it right and are trying harder and trying harder, the more we feel like we fail, the angrier we get and the more anxious we get. Mm -hmm. And so one of my favorite tools with anxiety with anyone is the concept of reframing. Mm. And you can't see probably any of the art I have behind me. But if you think about just taking a piece of art that's in, say, a black frame, and if you took that frame off and you put a gold frame around it, it's going to look completely different. You're going to see different colors. It's going to feel different. And that's what we want to do is we want to reframe that idea of, I just got really angry and blew it because I was trying to get the kids out the door on time. Well, you did blow it and you can go back and apologize, certainly. And the reason you blew it is because you care and you're trying your best to be a good mom. And maybe y'all had a few too many things going on and you need to pare back a little bit in terms of time. Mm -hmm. But it's really because of the best of intentions inside of you. And so That's one thing I want all parents to do is back up a little. The end of the book, I have a chapter called Try Softer. I want us to try softer, to think about what that looks like, to not feel like, because we just live so tight and intensely when we're in that place. And the anxiety just spills over and spills over to them. And it cycles in our own hearts and lives. And so I think that's one. I want you to back up and look at this from a big picture perspective. And a few super practical things I want you to do. One is I want you to breathe because as simple as that sounds, if nobody has ever explained the science of that to you, what's happening normally when we're not anxious, unless I'm making you anxious listening to this podcast, when we're not anxious, (laughs) we have blood flowing all throughout our brains, including going to the prefrontal cortex that helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. When any of us get anxious, the blood vessels in our brain constrict. And it shifts the blood flow away from the prefrontal cortex and to the amygdala, which is the part of our brain that is the sympathetic nervous system. It's designed to keep us safe in a threat. Mm. And it is what causes fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. So you think about the anger you experience sometimes. That's the fight. That is your amygdala in that moment has hijacked your brain. And, And parents will say to me, My child's like a crazy person when they get anxious. I can't even reason with them. Right. Because their brain's not even working. Mm. Or that goes back to our first takeaway, the spread. I think there is, I don't know if you lived in a dorm in college or a sorority house or anything. I did. I sometimes, okay. Remember that (laughs) whole deal? Sorry, guys that are listening. But remember that whole thing about when someone on your hall would start their period and then everyone has started their period? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think amygdalas do the same thing. I think in a family, if one amygdala gets tripped, 
then all of a sudden everybody's amygdalas are exploding all over the place. And so literally none of us are going to get to a healthy, productive place if our amygdala is driving the train. And so until we can calm our bodies back down, nothing good's going to happen. And so to take three deep breaths in that moment can be a game changer in the life of your family. Now, let me say to be in the kitchen all together and two people are screaming and you're trying to take three deep breaths is probably not going to work. And so I love for families to come up with some kind of code word where you can say watermelon or pizza pizzazz or I mean, it can be anything. And a lot of families will pick funny words, Mm -hmm. pick some word that basically means we're going to pause right here and we're going to come back and talk about this later, but I'm putting a pin in this conversation because I've got to go take three deep breaths. Mm -hmm. Now it would be great if your kids would do it too in that moment, but ultimately we can't control what they do, Mm -hmm. but we can control what we do. And so go lock yourself in your bathroom if you have to, but go take at least three deep breaths, 20 seconds of deep breathing begins the process of resetting the amygdala. I love hearing the brain science behind this. Because I think we hear the tip, take three deep breaths, but not just that you're trying Mm -hmm. to like muster up an ounce of self-control, like you're truly, you're getting the oxygen to your brain that it needs in order for you to access your self-control. And so I love hearing the science behind that and the tip to try to make that happen when you're in a really escalated state with your children. Yes. Yes, that is definitely where I would start. And then anything that's grounding can be really helpful too. And so I would start with the breathing and then like I play a game with kids a lot, but I do it myself sometimes too. If I've just spun off in my thoughts to think of anything sensory related helps bring us back into the moment because anxiety takes us out of the moment. And Mm -hmm. so five things you see, four things you hear, three things you feel from a tactile sense, two things you smell, one thing you taste. Or I talked to a mom this week who said she loves to go outside and put her feet in the grass Mm. just to feel something like that underneath your feet, to sing a song to yourself, to have something that you say out loud to yourself that's calming. Anything like that that kind of brings us back to the moment is really helpful. And then to think about what do I want to say right now and who do I want to be? And then we can reemerge with the kids we love in a different space. Yes, I love that, bringing yourself back to the present moment. I once heard, instead of focusing on what if, focus on what is. Mm, And I sometimes think of that like, let's come back to the present moment and look around the room and see, smell, taste, what you just described with the five senses can get you back there. So that's really, really helpful. Do you have one final tip? You could say you said breathe access your five senses. And I love that you did sort of mm-hmm. like a five, four, three, two, one with your five senses. Do you have one more final tip you could leave with us for managing anxiety in the moment? I love a good mantra. Like I love a saying that we can say to ourselves over and over. And so pick something, whether it's a Bible verse that you love, whether it's a quote that you love. Here's a good tip that I would highly recommend. If you haven't read the book, seen the movie, I'm going to butcher the name of it. It's like the boy, the horse, the mole, and the fox. I don't... I don't think that's the right order. I don't know. I haven't heard of this. It is beautiful. It's the sweetest story. Okay. And we just... In the summers, we have a little summer camp for the kids that are in counseling, and we just had our second through fourth graders, and we watched the movie. It's maybe 40 minutes on Apple. And we watched the movie together, and there is a quote where one of the characters 
says something like, sometimes I think you believe in me more than I believe in myself. And another character says, you'll catch up. And I think if parents could trust themselves and trust that they've got this and they're doing a great job and they have everything they need inside of them, I think we would be so much less anxious culturally because I believe that. I believe you know exactly what your kids need. And when we can quiet that voice of anxiety, we can get back to a place out of giving out of who we really are. Hmm. That is exactly what our kids need in the moment. Yeah. And I love the idea of no longer needing to just rely on our therapist or our sister to tell us that we're a good person, that we're doing the best we can, but to eventually catch up to the point where we can tell ourselves that. We believe Mm -hmm. that we're good parents. We believe that we're doing the best that we can. Sometimes you do have to have an intermediary there for a while or even forever. I feel like I've gotten to a much more self-assured place in my life in the last 10 years. Do I still need my sister to tell me I'm doing a good job a lot of the time? For sure. Do I still go to therapy? I do. And I have seasons of life where I'll be doing pretty well with my anxiety and I don't see my therapist for six months, you know, and then I notice, oh, it's ramping up those catastrophe thoughts. I feel it in my body. I'm not myself. And then I start seeing my counselor again. And so it's not like it's a process that you get to an end with, I think, a lot of the time because life. Life changes and throws new things at you and you need new tools, but the commitment to taking care of yourself and managing your own anxieties so you can help your kids manage theirs, I think is so important and valuable. And I'm glad that you sort of led with that idea that if we're willing to invest in our kids' mental health, we should invest in our own as well. Well, Sissy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And we'll, of course, link all of your books and the resources that you have in the show notes. Do you have one final place you would like to direct people to find you or a resource that you'd like to direct them to? Raisingboysandgirls.com is where we have everything listed. And then I try to be as active as I can on social media, just putting out as much help as possible. So Sissy Goff and Raising Boys and Girls, both accounts. Okay, great. And that's the name of your podcast too, right? Raising Boys and Girls. Raising Boys and Girls, yes. So anybody listening, you probably like podcasts. So you can go and check out Sissy's podcast as well. This has been so delightful and we're so grateful for the work that you do. And thank you for coming on 3 and 30. Thanks for having me, Rachel. What a warm and encouraging presence Sissy is. Am I right? I feel a little lighter just having talked to her. And I hope you feel that way too after listening. If you recognize that you are sometimes weighed down with worry for your children, or you are angrier or snappier than you'd like to be, and maybe anxiety is at the root of that, I hope you remember these three takeaways from Sissy. First, anxiety has an amazing ability to spread. Research shows that if you have anxiety as a parent, your child is seven times more likely to deal with it themselves. This is probably partially a hereditary component, as well as an environmental and modeling component. So the best thing you can do for your anxious child is to get help for your own anxiety and worry. I have done this through therapy and medication, and it's made a world of difference for me. Second. Anxiety does its best to define our past, distract us in the present, and defeat us in the future. This speaks to our tendency to catastrophize our children's behaviors and think that just because they're struggling with reading as a first grader, they will never be successful in school and will therefore drop out of school and won't be able to hold down a job and who knows, they might end up living on the street. Take a deep breath and bring yourself back to the present moment. 
As my wise husband Ryan reminds me, let's find out before we freak out. Let's stay in today and get our children the support they need while also believing that there are many good things to come in their lives and ours. And third and finally, the reason you worry about your kids is because you care and truly are a great parent. This reframe is a gentle reminder that there is nothing wrong with you for feeling anxious about your children's well-being. You worry because you love them. But the most loving thing you can do for them is to start supporting yourself better. And in moments of intense stress or anxiety, Sissy offered us three actionable tools to calm our nervous systems. It's like a bonus three takeaways within our three takeaways. First, take three deep breaths to get blood flow back to your prefrontal cortex. Second, tap into your five senses and bring yourself back into the present moment by asking yourself, what is one thing I see right now? What is one thing I hear? What is one thing I smell? What is one thing I can touch or feel? And what is one thing I taste? And third, rely on a calming mantra and say it over and over to yourself in a stressful moment to remind yourself of what you actually believe even if your nervous system is going haywire. One of my favorites comes from Dr. Becky Kennedy of Good Inside, I am a good parent having a hard time, or my child is a good kid having a hard time. This calming reminder anchors me to my values and brings me back to the present so I don't catastrophize into the future. My friends, I hope you believe me when I say that you are doing a really good job. And if you can't believe that yet, I know that you'll catch up to believing that as you continue to do this good work of learning and investing in your own development. It's my greatest hope for you that eventually you will truly believe that you are a good mom and that your kids are lucky to have you, because they are. I'm rooting for you always, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.